0: Thanks. I would like to call the planning commission meeting to order and I would like to welcome all to the uh, June 13, 2023 Huntington Beach planning commission meeting and while the planning commission welcomes public involvement and free speech, it rejects comments from anyone that are discriminatory, defamatory or otherwise not protected speech. Those comments will not inform nor be considered by the Planning Commission and may cause for the chair to interrupt the speaker. Such comments will not be uh, consented to or otherwise adopted by the Planning Commission in its discussions and findings for uh, any matter tonight. I wanna thank you and at this point, I would like to call on Commissioner Kennedy to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please stand. now. Um, may I have roll call, please?
1: Uh, yes, good evening. So, Commissioner Adam? Here. Commissioner acosta galvan Here. Vice Chair Twining? Here. Chair Palman? Here. Commissioner Kennedy? Here. Commissioner Rodriguez? Here. And Commissioner Wood?
2: We have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you. Chair Pullman, before we begin, could I just make a brief comment?
0: Sure, absolutely.
2: So I think most of you know um, I've accepted a position in the city of Orange as their new city attorney, so I'm going to be relinquishing my duties here as as your advisor, but we're very fortunate to have uh, Deputy Deputy City Attorney Connor Hyland. Um, He's going to be taking over in my stead. He's got a breadth of experience. Uh, He's advised planning commissions in some cities up north and he brings to the city attorney's office and and to this commission a bunch of wisdom and and good advice so um i hope you'll trust him with with as you do me
0: thank you i i want you to know on behalf of the planning commission that we're going to miss you and very much so because you've been very very informative and answered questions and made us feel comfortable as a commission so thank you and to you Connor, Mr. Hyland. Um, We're looking forward to working with you and um, welcome.
3: Thank you so much, I'm very excited to serve the city. Thank you.
0: Great, okay. Now it's time for public comments for the items that are not on the agenda this evening. Do we have any public comments? We have no public comments on items that are not on the agenda. Okay, thank you. Now we have a public hearing item. It is the appeal of zoning administrators' approval of conditional use permit number 23-006, Huntington Beach Community Wireless uh, Communication Facility. And I believe um, it's time if commissioners have any disclosures before we go on to the next part. Um, We'll start with Commissioner Adam.
4: Thank you. I talked with city staff today.
5: That's it.
0: Uh, Commissioner I, Kennedy?
5: I had a brief conversation with Mr. Vigliota and I did drive the site.
0: Okay. I have,
6: no dis- I have no disclosures.
0: And Commissioner Rodriguez?
7: Yeah, I visited the site, and I also live about .3 miles away from it, so.
8: Okay. And I visited the site.
0: Okay, and I have a few disclosures. Um, I visited the site twice, and um, Um, I attended a town hall where there were city council members and also uh, planning commissioners there. And I reviewed the agenda prior to the meeting with Vice Chair um, Twining. And um, I also spoke with um, staff today. Thank you, that's it. Okay, now staff has a presentation I believe at this point. We
1: do, um, Hayden Beckman's gonna be giving our presentation. Before I hand it over, I just wanna confirm, the city attorney's confirming, we don't have a conflict of interest from proximity, so just give one moment.
7: Are you cool? She's still checking.
0: Okay, so shall we wait a couple of minutes? Okay, that's fine.
1: Sorry for the delay.
0: So we're putting the meeting on ho- pause, I'm gonna turn off for a second, maybe. Okay, I think we'll. Everything's cool? Okay. All right, at this point, staff has a presentation.
9: Yes, thank you. Good evening, honorable chair and fellow commissioners. Uh, my name is Hayden Beckman, senior planner, and I'm the project planner for this request. The proposed project before the commission tonight is a request to construct a new freestanding mono broadleaf wireless communication facility at an overall height of 60 feet on a commercial property that's currently occupied by a church. The installation would include a four sector array of four uh, four panel antennas each that utilizes stealth design by disguising the new wireless facility within the branches of a faux broadleaf tree. On April 13th, the design review board reviewed the proposed project and recommended approval as proposed to the zoning administrator. Subsequently, at an April 19th, 2023 public hearing, the subject conditional use permit was uh, considered by the zoning administrator and approved with conditions. Following approval of the project, a ten day appeal period began, during which an appeal was filed by an adjacent property owner, Christina Price, which triggered a new de novo public hearing before the planning commission. In a de novo public hearing scenario, the planning commission reviews the appeal uh, as a new matter. The commission may make an independent decision based on information provided at the zoning, excuse me, at the zoning administrators action as well as information presented to you tonight. Our staff report and presentation primarily focus on the issues raised in the appellant's letter. However, as the PC is aware, a number of correspondence has been received since the agenda was published. And that correspondence has been reviewed by staff prior to this public hearing. The subject property is located at 8101 Slater Avenue. This is on the north side of Slater, uh, due east of Beach Boulevard. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, currently the Huntington Beach Community Church is the existing site. It is currently zoned CO, which is the commercial office zoning designation. And the general plan designation is CG, which is commercial general. The surrounding uses to the north and east in yellow are single family residential. To the south across Slater is residential medium high density. And to uh, to the west is a commercial general property. Here's a picture of the proposed site plan. Uh, It is depicted with Slater Avenue along the southern frontage. This is the proposed proposed location of the freestanding monopole facility would be within an existing landscaped area within the parking lot. And in the northwest corner of the site, depicted here in blue, is an above ground enclosure that would contain the ancillary equipment that supports the operation of, of a new facility. Here's an elevation view of the proposed wireless facility. The maximum overall height is 60 feet to the highest branches of the faux tree. Shrouded behind the branches, the panel antennas as depicted here in yellow would measure 55 feet high. This is one of three photo simulations that was provided by the applicant. This is a view looking north across Slater Avenue. On the left is a picture showing the existing conditions and on the right is the proposed condition upon installation of the facility apologize, the screen is a bit dim. Uh, in this photo simulation, this is a view looking west across Markham Lane. This is to the east of the subject site. Again, on the left, the, uh, the picture shows the existing conditions, and on the right uh, is the proposed condition upon installation of the facility. And this photo simulation provides a view looking south from Windy Sand Circle. This is again looking south in the direction of Slater Avenue. On the left is the existing condition and on the right is a proposed condition upon installation of the facility. In the Huntington Beach Zoning and Subdivision Ordinance, communication facilities, uh, as wireless communication facilities are currently classified, are allowed uses in commercial districts. We do have a separate section that treats uh, development standards and review processes for wireless communication facilities. And uh, contained in there, both design review and a conditional use permit are required for any new ground or utility mounted facility. There are also exceptions to height limits that apply to the proposed project. Wireless communication facilities are allowed by right to exceed the maximum height of their zoning district by 10 feet. And in addition, the zoning administrator may approve greater height upon approval of a conditional use permit. The proposed project is, again, a new 60-foot ground-mounted wireless facility as triggered by the CUP. And the proposed facility and its ancillary equipment enclosure currently comply with the development standards. The project complies with the commercial office standards for setbacks, parking, landscape, and all other applicable requirements. The facility utilizes stealth design techniques, meaning that the pole, the antenna, and support equipment are disguised as a mature broadleaf tree. And overall, the proposed project is also consistent with the goals and policies of the general plan. In the appellant's letter uh, filed with the appeal request, the, the appellant makes four primary arguments. First, that wireless wireless facilities should not be sited on commercial property as it does not align with the general plan or ordinances or or wireless policy. As discussed in the staff report, the Huntington Beach Zoning and Subdivision Ordinance permits wireless facilities on commercial and industrial properties upon approval of a CUP and encourages co-locating facilities when feasible and utilizing stealth techniques to screen facilities from view. As proposed, the facility would resemble a mature broadleaf tree to make it compatible with existing on-site landscaping and surrounding uses, and as such is consistent with general plan policies and objectives. The second argument cited in the appeal is that the project should not have been approved without due process verifying the applicant's submitted burden of proof statements or sole justification for validity beyond reception of the application. When filed, the applicant provided zoning justification letter that included project objectives And identified an alternative site analysis and site justification, which complies with submittal requirements. The project was approved by the zoning administrator at a duly noticed public hearing following the administrative review process. The appellant's third argument, excuse me, cites the project's potential to impact property values and rental incomes of surrounding properties. As outlined in the Huntington Beach Zoning and Subdivision Ordinance, the city's purview over applications for new wireless facilities is tied only to the aesthetics of the proposed facility. The city cannot make a determination on such applications based in part on potential economic impacts. Finally, the appellant argues that the approval will impact resale capability and rental marketability of homes near cell towers for the three surrounding residential areas. As previously indicated, the city's design standards and stealth techniques are intended to minimize impacts to surrounding properties. And no property specific economic analysis has been provided uh, to the city by either the applicant or the appellant. The city is currently unaware of any reported impacts associated with existing wireless facilities that are approved and located throughout the city. For purposes of illustrating the intent of code requirements for stealth design techniques, um, we're providing just a comparison here. On the left is a uh, applicant provided photo simulation. Again, this is the view looking south towards Slater from Windy Sand Circle. Uh, And uh, the, the the property on the right is current conditions at Huntington Beach High School, where multiple freestanding monopole facilities exist on the same site that contain no stealth design techniques or compatibility features that would allow for it to blend into the surrounding area. As such, in placing a proposed facility adjacent to other mature broadleaf trees on the property and adjacent properties, the faux tree design is compatible with the surrounding area. At this time, staff recommends that the Planning Commission vote to deny the appeal and approve Conditional Use Permit 23006 with suggested findings and conditions of approval. And staff are available for any questions from the Commission. That concludes my staff report. Thank you. Okay,
0: um, okay so, thank you. Um, commissioners, do you have any questions at this time? And. Let's see, I gotta
5: put my little thingy up here. Okay, Commissioner Kennedy. Thank you, Chair Palvin. So I have some questions here. Uh, on the conditional use permit uh, where you've just noted, uh, thank you for that, that uh, the limit's 40 feet uh, with the ability to extend 10 feet. So I'm just wondering why staff thought it was okay to go ahead and go to 60 feet. Why not just leave it at 40 plus 10 if, if so approved?
9: Uh, as you indicated, Commissioner Kennedy, 50 feet is the by right allowable height, and the request for 60 feet is from, from the applicant. Um, and so, as I indicated, the zoning administrator and by by appeal, the planning commission can permit additional height. I can't speak to the, you know the technical reasons behind it, but this is a uh, a fairly standard approach where the applicants for these facilities identify the necessary height for their operation.
5: Okay secondly that picture where you show the broadleaf stealth against uh compared to the high school i mean clearly it's night and day i know the intent is to show how minimized the the view is but one of the locations cited was the the park and as you can see the, the the usage of ground is minimized why would a park not be a better use for I mean, just a portion of the park, it's a large swath of land. And frankly, it just seems more logical to take up a corner of that. There's still gonna be plenty of use for the, uh, the u- utilization of the park. So what, what was the thought on that? And that may be for the applicant, or is that for you guys?
9: Uh, is there a specific park that that you're referencing? Well, yeah, it was question? one of the
5: locations. It's uh, it was a long piece. It was adjacent to Newland and Slater. It was one of the 11 sites that was that was uh, identified. And the the reason they said in in the footnote was they didn't want to take up park space. And I thought, you know, that's the uh,
2: so, Commissioner, if I can jump in and answer that question, we, we generally wouldn't allow, depending on the size of the of the uh, tower and the cost, something to, something to be built on city park property because of measure C.
5: Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, a, a, another thing that uh, seems to be minimized by the applicant is the belief that there is not going to be any economic... Uh, damage to the residential area and uh, I I read all the documents. I did not see them provide a report substantiating that and and I also didn't see necessarily a report identifying that but I can tell you uh, firsthand that uh, common sense is gonna tell you that nobody wants that in their backyard. So for the applicant to say, not the appellate, the applicant to say there's there's no cause for a worry about economic, uh, uh, damage just ask yourself this question would you like that in your backyard i mean that's just how i look at it personally i'd just like to hear somebody tell me why they think that they can justify that statement
2: commissioner, commissioner if i could just jump in i think some of this stuff is better left once yeah. we open the public hearing Fair enough. and and hear from hear from folks and close the public hearing and, okay
5: and, yeah I w- i'm not sure where these questions lie so i want to get them out there to avoid having missed my opportunity We'll have another chance. (laughs) Fair enough. I got a lot of questions.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Kennedy. Um, Commissioner Adam.
4: This may fall into the latter category, but the basis of appeal highlighted four concerns, Hayden, but I didn't see health risk in any of those concerns. It was all other reasons, but all the public comment appears to be health risk related. I'm just trying to Understand how the, appeal is that because of the appeal form only allows for certain categories or is it just a disconnect? Uh, The the appeal
9: form doesn't discount any particular category, but staff had to be responsive to what was submitted at the time of the close of the appeal period. So I did provide that disclaimer, and as you pointed out, subsequently we received a lot more information. Um, So it's not to exclude any one particular argument, it's just what we received materially. Okay, thank you.
0: Commissioner uh, Galvin, Acosta Galvin?
8: Yeah, I um, wanted to ask, what constitutes a significant gap in coverage um, for this?
9: Uh, I would actually defer to uh, the applicant in that particular case to, to properly identify that.
8: Okay, I'll, I'll ask later, um, and then are we, as the commissioner, are we allowed to consider health, health impacts in our, in our decision making?
10: Uh, no
3: yeah um, I can give a little bit more to that Uh, the city can't deny an application or consider health impacts on proposed sites under current federal law Um, if the radio emissions meet FCC standards then that's what we have to accept
8: thank you
0: okay and um, I think we're through. I have a couple of questions. Okay, oh, okay. just Commissioner okay. Rodriguez.
7: Sorry. Yes, just one question, uh, Mr. Hayden. Thank you so much for the presentation. I just saw on the last slide it says um, uh, that staff recommends denial, but on our agenda it says recommends approval. Could you sort of jump back and forth uh, where that change happened?
9: Yeah, I apologize for any confusion. Uh, the request before the commission is to consider an appeal, and so. In, in your action, if you were to deny the appeal, then the zoning administrator's oh, approval would stand. So okay. it's, I think it's just a matter
7: of wording. Wording, Okay, mm-hmm. perfect, I just wanted to, to verify that. Thank you.
0: And I uh, there's no other commissioners except for myself that has questions, I believe, at this point, right? Okay. Um, so I do have a question about the Cooper's Hawk that was identified as nesting there, and I would like to know, what the rationale was that there was not a required CEQA for that property.
9: So I can can touch briefly on the exemption that the city is identifying and recommending to the commission to recognize. Um, Under the classification that we identify, there's a certain spectrum of development that can be used to exempt certain projects, and so um, outside of there being uh, any known uh, testimony to you know the endangerment of uh, those species, it would not have been something that we needed to condition uh, simply by virtue of there being existing laws and statutes that would protect certain species of birds. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a better way to, I guess, I, ex- I can explain that particular. Uh, elaborate
1: a little bit, which is to say, the sequel was performed on the project, and in this case, a categorical exemption was applied Um, based on the size and scope of the development, it meets the standards for a categorical exemption.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, At this point, um, I think all the commissioners, oh wait, Commissioner Kennedy. Oh.
5: Thank you. So uh, since somebody touched on NEPA, so there's already been that, exemption as you said for some reason but in the applicant's 54 page submission one of the sentences said that the the nipa report is underway in the next sentence they say that um, uh, let's see They were gonna review it, basically saying that if there's any evidence of nesting or anything, they would accept that as a condition. To me, that means they they would realize that maybe it's not a fit location. It's in, I should have cited the page number, uh, but it basically says that there is a NEPA study underway. They've identified 72 different uh, birds and wildlife. The Cooper hawk was the number one on the list. It was not alphabetical, so I, I must assume that that means it's the dominant species. And uh, then it basically said that uh, something to the effect, I'm trying to find in my notes uh, and- I'm
1: I'm familiar with the section you're referencing. and So just to clarify, CEQA would be the the state environmental disclosure process. NEPA is the federal. And as part of their federal licensing under the FCC, they are required to go through the NEPA process. That is uh, above and separate from the city's um, permitting process and essentially they're going through that NEPA process now. If the project were to be approved prior to issuing a building permit, they would basically have to show documentation that they've satisfied all the federal requirements.
5: Wouldn't it be prudent to finish the study first uh, and then convene to approve, as opposed to approve or deny and then find, let's say hypothetically it gets approved, and then there is a cause to now denied because the study's been concluded and there's evidence of, uh, you know, uh, hurting the birds or whatever the case may be.
1: It's ultimately a business decision, so perhaps the applicant can decide about the timing of that. But um,
2: and I, I think if we can move, move these questions on to, at, let's open the public hearing. Okay. If there's technically like hyper technical questions, you can. Yeah,
5: okay. got it. Yep. Thanks.
0: Okay, hold on one second. Gotta find my thing. Here it is, right here. Um, Commissioner Rodriguez has one last question. Yeah, just
7: a question for the deputy city attorney. Um, If we were to deny the project, um, what are the ramifications legally for the city? If any.
3: Uh, At this point, the applicant would be able to appeal to city council, and um, then it would go to them through the normal appeal process. There would not be any immediate ramifications for the city should the plan commission deny the application.
0: Okay. Thank you. Okay. um, I think we're done with Planning Commission questions. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, At this point, um, since there's no no more questions, um, I'm going to open the public hearing. And do we have anyone signed up to speak? I see at least four.
11: We have four people signed up to speak. Uh, Please come down to the podiums and um, state your name prior to speaking. John Silverman, Ariel Strauss, Kenna Delsante, and Rick Cook.
0: Thank you.
12: If I represent the applicant, would you rather hear from the appellant first or the applicant? About it's the it's your choice. Okay. <clears throat> I do have a small presentation. Okay. <clears throat> and I will go f- fast through this uh, because some of the material was already covered by the staff. Um, good evening, members of the commission. My name is John Silverman. I'm a developer with SmartLink. We work on behalf of AT&T in these sorts of uh, new site acquisitions and developments. Um, from supporting our first responders via the government FirstNet program, uh, which is involved in all of our new... Uh, wireless sites, uh, to bringing reliable connectivity for people from working from home and students attending virtual classrooms, which has been a very important thing in recent years. Uh, The goal of AT&T is to increase connectivity. Um, If you look here, this is the uh, actual original document, well, the image from the original document that AT&T provides to us to show where their uh, lack of signal is showing up. Uh, the red being the most extreme examples uh, of which, uh, the green would be the priority. Um, part of my job is to analyze both the zoning feasibility, but also the leasability, and I'll go into that a little bit more in a second. But this represents the general area in which at and was looking to increase its coverage. Uh, if you'll notice right now, where we're proposing it is towards the southern end of this green circle here, right beneath where it says uh, Slater Avenue. Actually, just the north. <clears throat> Due to constraints within our search ring, a feasible solution that met the city's code and closing our gap in coverage was found towards the southern end of the ring. Uh, this was originally a much smaller ring that was focused on Warner towards the north of where the red is, uh, but because of the limitations uh, based on the available properties and interest from available owners, the decision was made to expand. <clears throat> Uh, So it's a bit cheesy, but we focus on five ABLEs when we're dealing with uh, any new site uh, availability. Uh, We're looking at whether or not it's zonable, specifically whether or not it meets the city codes, uh, and also to research what the ordinances and zoning maps would allow for based on the established law. We also specifically, and it is always important, to find a willing landlord that's just leasable. Specifically, a landlord that is interested in uh, dealing with a project like this and a landlord who's interested in a long-term lease. For example, if a lease would only be a couple of years, that really wouldn't serve the project's goals. Uh, RF engineerable uh, is basically the point of whether or not it it hits the objectives of the specific uh, RF engineers in charge of the project, which is dictated by the RF engineers in, in charge of the entire new site development project. Uh, whether or not it's constructible here, that's not really an issue. Sometimes it's more of an issue with remote sites, whether or not it's accessible, et cetera. Um, this site is eminently constructible. Um, and whether or not it uh, fits the regulatory commission, that, both from the city, from the state, and obviously, as with all sites, meeting the federal guidelines by FCC, which includes NEPA. <clears throat> We have two pillars of zoning uh, whether or not it is this represents a significant gap in coverage uh, at least at least visually obtrusive means a significant gap or coverage is basically showing through the justification maps that we wrote that the uh, ability for service within buildings not without but within is significantly decreased um, This is the zoning map. This represents the area in which we are doing. We don't need to cover that all again. The staff already did so. Um, These were the uh, photo simulations, which I know the appellant uh, did bring up uh, a question of whether or not they were to scale. Uh, Let me explain how these photo simulations typically work. They are based on photography that are taken at the site from nearby streets. And then the renderings are made based on the drawings uh, which staff already shared with you um, these are to scale they absolutely represent the height that will be presented but simulations is basically all we can do at this point because it has not been constructed so <clears throat> these are the different sites which we just did um, these are the alternative sites and these were the eleven that was brought up so I can answer any questions about that um, specifically these are all the different sites that were considered uh, Westmont Park I potentially was the one that was asked about, which is outside the search area, meaning it would not address the issues, uh, the objectives of the RF, so it would not address the drop-in service. Um, Some of these slides, I'm sorry, some of these sites would be an empty car lot on beach. Um, Unfortunately, owners did not show interest. Uh, A First Impression Full Service Sign Shop, which is on Beach as well. Again, did not show interest, and from my driving past it, it looks like that property might be shut down, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, 18 and A, American Tax Accounting Services, which is 17479 Beach Boulevard. Again, the owners did not show interest. The same is true of the CEVS at 16961. Um, The Walgreens, which was not sufficient ground space because the specific uh, land that is allotted for that project does not have any room other than taking away some of the parking. Uh, Lakeview Park, uh, which was uh, considered, which is uh, just just within the search area, but unfortunately that park is specifically dedicated to soccer fields. And if we were to place it to meet the setbacks, it would interfere with the use of the park as it is. So we did not consider it, because we did not want to propose building a wireless facility in the middle of soccer field. Uh, and also, uh, we did briefly consider Huntington Beach Hospital, because it's a taller building. But unfortunately, it was outside the search ring. <clears throat> uh, AT&T developed this search ring and all of them to identify an area which a new wireless telecommunication Telecommunications facility needs to be located close to its significant gap in coverage. AT&T searched for but did not find any viable co-location opportunities. I know the appellant brought up that we would have to require to show that there was any uh, nearby existing sites within a thousand feet. Uh, There is not one and staff did do a double check and look to see whether or not any entitlements have been done within a thousand feet and was not true. So uh, we did not have any co-location opportunities. Uh, because of the vast majority of the search area and beyond consists of residential, uh, we did not consider any of the residential uh, pieces, both because it would clash with the general plan, but also because typically those are not, you know, the sorts of projects that we would project. <clears throat> uh, propagation of the site plots are based on a current ATEL design tool, project tool, that does not shows the preferred design of the network coverage. Uh, Those are specifically shown, that's where the data comes from in the justification uh, propagation maps that were provided to the council. Um, The propagation reference in this package is based on proposed LTE coverage. So basically it shows, there is a slide that shows the current status of our our coverage. Uh, Gray would be essentially insufficient if you were inside a building. Yellow would be uh, only sufficient within uh, outdoors uh, and green would be sufficient indoors, outdoors, or even within a vehicle. <clears throat> this slide shows uh, the proposed active coverage once this site was put into place with the technology that we we're proposing. And then this would show the coverage uh, specifically from the site by itself in a vacuum. Uh, I just explained that. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I am open to answering any of those questions now.
0: Not at this point, I do not believe, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Everybody comes up and, That's fine. okay? But thank you very much for your presentation. Of course.
11: We do have two additional speakers. If everyone could come down and line up at the podiums, we would appreciate it. Please remember to state your name prior to speaking. Jonathan McGaw and Scott Boxley, please also come down.
0: Okay. Next speaker is Kenna Del Sante. And the next speaker after you would be Rick Cook. If he could come up and be ready to go after you're done, please. Thank you. Mr. Cook, you can stand at the other, uh, spe- the other uh, mic. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Please go and you have three minutes, okay? Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, mm-hmm.
13: This is my first City Council meeting or Planning Commission, so this is an interesting experience for me um, My name is Canada El Uh I actually was an occupant of eight zero nine two Windy Sand Circle uh, for about 30 years <laughs> So actually in some of the pictures, that's my backyard. That was my backyard for many years um, I actually wrote down some notes because there was a lot of fun things to kind of hear in there Um, one of the subjects that he brought up actually just about the AT&T coverage with the virtual learning I went through virtual learning in that house never had any issues never had any issues with any kind of property or anything like that and I'm actually myself a avid bird watcher my parents are in the appeal because they were the ones that actually saw because me and my family have watched those birds, the cooper hawks, over years. And the fact that they even haven't, um, we're talking about the the NIPA and how that hasn't actually finished, even though it's something that has been brought up and is something that should be processed, because I have seen those cooper hawks. They've landed in the tree in front. The pictures that you see, like they've landed in that tree. I've been there and seen that myself. And to have someone just be like, oh, it's fine. It's just gonna be this thing in the back. It's not gonna disrupt the the families that are here, the families that I grew up with. I can see there are people that I've known for the past 30 years here (laughs) because this is important to us. This is something that we value because this is our families growing up. There's a gentleman in the stands that has his daughter here. I remember when he was a little kid. I remember when his sisters were born and we're just gonna build this big distracting thing right behind the house for what reason? For potential coverage of uh, AT&T? Like it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like what is the actual function of this to have in our backyard? And Mr. Rodriguez, you said so yourself that you live within proximity. Would you want this in your backyard? No way, it's not only an eyesore because it's gonna be strikingly different to the beautiful broadleaf trees that are already back there. Now you're gonna have this big antenna that it would literally be in the backyard of my childhood home. I, I know that unfortunately that home is gonna be up for sale soon, but I, I know that the prospective people that are gonna be there are not gonna to wanna to see that thing because I have pictures from the outside view of that and I can tell you for sure that seeing that big old cell phone tower there is not gonna be appealing, not only for curb appeal, too, for the potential owner of it, but just, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to speak on the health issues, but.
0: Thank, thank you very much. Next, um, Mr. Cook, and then uh, Ariel Strauss can please step up to the mic there and wait for your turn. Okay, Mr. Cook, you have three minutes.
10: My name's Rick, I'm a father, I'm a parent, and I'm a firefighter, and like my job, like your job, is to protect my family. I know you guys have kids. Ms. Rodriguez, I know you run the the youth soccer program. Ms. Pellman, I know you're a nurse, pediatrician, your husband's a pediatrician, it's all about kids. There's a school right down the street. And God we trust. God is about families, it's about protection of families. Every time we talk about safety, sir, that was from 1996, before 1G was created. This is five. More Gs are to come, and I read it before. Once AT&T drops the anchor, they can go 20 more feet. That's a fact. That green little thing he was showing, that map, we are the epicenter. Bottom line, it is too close. If you go, can you put up that picture of the house and the antenna? 65 feet from someone's pillow, where they sleep at night. It's not, it's not discreet. It's not stealth. That's just, you know. So when we drive down Beach Boulevard, I know I live in Beach and Slater. I know where I buy. My, I'm, I'm paying taxes on a million-dollar home. So when we drive Beach and Slater, I know everything kind of goes there. I got the homeless shelter. You know, we, we wrestle with the Salvation Army, the Tweaker homeless base camp there, and the hotel across the street. But we have a, we have a nice called the Beach Villas, and I'm proud of it. And I raised my kids there. We're very passionate, and I'm holding my, my passion because I'm just so I, I want to throw up. I'm so disgusted on this because it's all about money. Please cite with the families. Every time we talk, Mr. Kennedy, you were on some great points. You keep getting silenced for some reason. And your public hearing wants to, they want to turn it into a private hearing. I was so curious what else you had to say because you were on point. But I, I, so if we're not going to go um, based on health and safety from 1996, or that is a fact, because we can't, we can't, it's a can of worms. So, we, like, so it's just too darn close. It's too close. Yes, there is a Cooper's talk, and all of a sudden there is a, it's um, exempt all of a sudden, blah blah blah. And, and, if the, and if the applicant wants to do it then or now, why does he get the choice? Why do you get to speak for seven minutes? So, so we're not doing it on health and safety. Okay, we're not concerned about the neurological facts effects, which are a fact. The cancer, which is a, which is a, also a fact. Then why don't we do it on the, on the environmental birds? Our green our green belt has mallard ducks. So many different birds could run a green belt, and they rest and uh, they nest and roost in that tree back there in that parking lot, and it's right there. Ma'am, you're wearing a COVID mask, so that tells me you're overly concerned about health and safety. It's right here. This is health and safety for our families, for our kids, for the generations to come. So if you're not going to do it on health and safety, you're not going to do it for the birds and the environment. Property values, it is a fact. That got silenced, too, for some reason. Everything, it gets gets squashed. Property values will go down. They will. And if not, every time we drive in our our complex, we're going to see the stealth, discreet, freaking tower that is literally towering over us. Every time I look out my window, there it is, my front door, there it is. This, this tower should be placed in transient areas, on-ramps, off-ramps, ongoing, people coming and going. Put it to the cemetery, good shepherd. Dead people don't care about radiation and property values. <coughs> don't put it in our homes. I, I, I'm going to go sit down. Thank, I,
0: I, thank you, Mr. Cook. Okay. I plead,
10: I, I beg of you, please don't put it here. Please. Thank Sight you. With the, we're taxpaying. You guys work for us. Get at and They'll find another place.
0: Thank you, Mr. Cook. <laughs> Mr. Strauss, and then the next speaker. Just a second, Mr. Strauss. If Scott Boxley could come, please up to the mic. Want me? Uh, up to the mic. You'll be next. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Strauss, for waiting a second. Okay. Please go. Absolutely.
14: Call. Thank you. My name is Ariel Strauss. I'm an attorney at Green Fire Law representing the appellant. And I do appreciate that you afford additional time for the applicant. I think it's entirely appropriate that you hear and have a complete record from the applicant who has a strong interest and also from the appellant who paid the fee and, and took the initiative to decide that there's a, a reason that this site is not appropriate in this location. So I'd appreciate some additional time and also the opportunity to answer questions later. Now, there are many points, but I think I'll start with what's for me most shocking, and I'll go to the staff report, and that's on pages four and five. And there's a statement there, and I'll quote, that the city, quote, cannot make a determination on the application for a new wireless facility as based in any part on the potential for impacts to property values. Then on page five it continues, quote, as discussed above, economic impacts are not considered a standard of review for wireless facility applications, end quote. I say this is shocking because if you read section 230.96 E3, the section that determines that a conditional use permit is required whenever a facility is requested to exceed 10 feet beyond the allowable zoning, it states the applicant must apply for a conditional use permit to so the zoning administrator pursuant to chapter 241. Now chapter 241 includes section 241.10 A1 and that requires a CUP may only be approved if the zoning administrator or the planning commission finds, quote, the establishment, maintenance, and operation of the use will not be detrimental to general welfare of persons working or residing in the vicinity, now this is the part I'd like to emphasize, nor detrimental to the value of the property and improvements in the neighborhood. So the applicant has a burden to establish that it will not be detrimental to those values. It's not on anybody else. It's not on the commentary folks who want to submit. It's not on the um, appellant. It's simply on the applicant. Now, the applicant submits, uh, A, that essentially any complaints about property values are veiled complaints about health concerns, and B, that they cite to a study that people like having good wireless communications. Those two things don't determine the situation before you today. And now in the communication I sent on Monday, there are a number of citations to many other studies that do show that there are in fact impacts when the cell towers are quite close. Uh, I also sent in earlier today some communications on a different facility, a 44 foot tall monopine where several real estate agents had submitted letters as well. We also have a statement from a real estate agent in this community I saw in the comments saying that um, I could only say as a real estate agent for 32 years now that the cell tower would most definitely have some impact on your property value. I am most certain that a number of buyers would most likely be turned off by the visual presence of a cell coming close to their residence. Now, everyone says this. Real estate is location, location, location. It's your job, and it's not an easy job, to determine whether this specific site in this circumstance, with this height, in this location, would have those negative impacts, or more accurately, where the applicant has established that they won't have those impacts. Now, um, it's subject to your judgment. You understand the community. You understand what's normal and what's not normal. But there's a problem here because the application itself is deficient. The applicant, for some reason, used a one-page form. I attached this form to my letter. However, the city website, um, putting forth the standards for an application, is seven pages. Now, maybe you may think that that's um, a, a trifle of a thing, but the fact is that one of the requirements is that there be presented five photosims. That the photo sims identify the angle of that photo, and also be photographs of close in of the equipment. Now we saw previously, and I don't need to put it back up, but we saw previously three photos sims, not five. The photo sims don't identify the angle, so some of the contentions that the um, public has that it's actually a sort of an angle that looks in a funny way that doesn't really show the true um, difference between the height of the proposed tower, the building, and the existing trees have some legitimacy because it hasn't actually, in fact, complied with the requirements in the application form. And then with respect to those close-ins of that equipment, if you were able to see the equipment, say, you know, uh, which those many arrays, and identify the way which it actually is shielded, as they describe it, with cloth, whatever it is, you could assess for yourself, will it be glint from the sun? Will it show through? How far will that shadow fall? Uh, these are a very important question, because it's the south of these properties. The sun is going to be backlighting it, lighting it most of the time. And if somebody sees equipment, they see industrial activity, they see something that looks like a plastic tree, they don't have to be concerned about health impacts to say that's, that's out of place. If I have a choice between House A and House B, I don't want to see that from my window. I don't want to be in my yard with that. That's just not, I'd rather have something else. And that is the ultimate question that has to be answered here. And I don't see anything the applicant has said that explains why that is not a serious consideration or why their application, in fact, does comply with the requirements the city has put out. Now, in the ordinance, there's another element that's also quite seriously missing, which is a requirement to co-locate when it is feasible. There has to be a search of 1,000 feet around, identify all antennas. Um, Unfortunately, what we received and what we've seen today and also in the um, administrative record before you, is just identification of macro towers by AT&T. That's plainly not all towers. Under federal regulations, There's an entitlement to raise a macro tower by 20 feet and also expand it by 20 feet, regardless of the zoning in that area. There also is an entitlement of an applicant to increase a small cell by 10 feet or 10%. So there are ways to expand these other sites. And a search ring is not a fixed thing. A search ring is predicated on the strength of antenna, the nature of antenna, the height of the pole, the intervening terrain, the angle of, of that actual antenna itself and the way in which it is is, uh, programmed. These questions are not explained in any way by the applicant's materials, but most fundamentally, that map does not exist. It's not in the record, and without it being in the record, there's no explanation for what would happen had the applicant tried to put it on a Verizon poll, for instance, or a T-Mobile poll, because these different, um, these carriers do in fact have Um, agreements between each other to allow that type of thing to happen, and they're entitled under federal law to do it despite whatever the public might think or the commission might think. So when it comes to the question of whether something is an effective prohibition, the applicant is not entitled to put in whatever they want. They're not entitled to have the exact coverage they want. They have to have a a substantial filling of that gap. So substantial means there may be some gaps. They may only get, you know, two-thirds, and you... They may only get part of it that has the most important, let's say, customer base or something like that. Um, and so that's why it's critical that they show some alternatives. For instance, if we think the tower is too tall, what would happen if it was 50 feet? How much coverage would you get? How much of that gap would be closed? We don't know the answer to that. If they were to co-locate it on one macro tower that they show to the far, uh, to the north or to the west, how much would that close? Those questions aren't asked and they're not answered. Now. We've talked quite a bit about, at least others have, about NEPA and CEQA. Um, as also has been mentioned, the health effects of FCC-compliant radio frequency emissions cannot be used as a basis for denial by the commission. That's unfortunately a fact. But there are two things, or there are many other things that can be considered. First, if the applicant, application is simply deficient, it need not be approved. If the application, um, has failed to comply with federal law, which in fact is a requirement under the city's wireless code that the applicant demonstrate that it has complied with the FCC regulations and all other state and federal laws. Now, NEPA is a requirement under the FCC regulations that the applicant (laughs) demonstrate that there will not be significant environmental effects uh, of a certain type, and if there are, they have to submit something called environmental assessment, an EA. Now, while it's true that the EA, could be submitted later in time in theory before anything happens on the ground. The problem with that is that NEPA requires an assessment at the earliest possible time so that it's not predetermined in practice. If the applicant Identifies a tower does engineering shows up here tells you I need it gets an approval I mean how much leeway do they really have are they gonna really show up later and say sorry we we didn't do it right We're gonna come back and it's just it's not a it's not a realistic way to consider things will happen And it's not the appropriate standard for NEPA so the appropriate approach would have been for the applicant to identify These hawks is a Cooper's hawk is a migratory bird protected by the migratory bird treaty act um, that is enforced by the Department of the Interior the Department of Interior has notified the FCC that, and there are citations to these letters as well, that migratory birds have a very high instance of death around cell towers. Some of it is because of cell tower collision. Some of it is because of entanglement in cell tower equipment that wouldn't naturally be there in a normal condition and that birds are not accustomed to it. So whereas maybe a twig or something would break or, or bend, the cell tower equipment does not. There also, the, FC, the Department of Interior explains, is a high rate of mortality from FCC uh, approved levels of RF emissions. Now, the FCC can require, and the Department of Interior can insist, that applicants consider that environmental effect within the federal regulations, even if the commission cannot. But something that's important to also recognize that this tree, this faux tree, this plastic lad, ladding of the antenna the radio emissions inside that tree will be far exceeding the human exposure levels that are allowed. Now, that itself is not a violation because humans are not allowed on the tree. There are signs and other things, right? But the birds, they are on the tree. So any consideration that that will have, that that will be harmful to these birds, is permissible because it it's not within the FCC regulatory limits.
0: Can, can I ask you Please to give you another chair. minute to kind of wrap up?
14: Yeah, very well. Thank so, you. Thank you. I appreciate your patience. So there are a couple other issues, and one is uh, quite straightforward within the, the city's code and also the noise ordinance. And that is a question of whether the noise that will be generated by the, gener- the Generac brand generator, the 20 kilowatt generator, will exceed the standards in a noise ordinance. I saw um, in the staff report, or perhaps it was the decision by zoom administrator, simply a statement that the noise levels will be acceptable. However, I didn't see a discussion of the actual output of these generators. I did look, and it's included in my letter, um, a data sheet on this generator, or a, a, a Generac generator at, at the 20 kilowatt level. It's advertised as quiet, and it far exceeds, at 23 feet, the allowable levels that would be across the residence line. But the residence, is, the property line that is, is only 10 feet away, approximately. So that is a very serious issue that's simply not addressed whatsoever. It's also not restricted in any way by the FCC. Now, if I could just, obviously, then there are then the actual pollutant emissions from this diesel generator as well. Um, And those issues are to be considered under CEQA, special noise impacts, special pollution impacts. Those are not conventional impacts for what's known as a small facility. And I explained in my letter that the small facility exemption.
0: Okay, I I have to like, cut it off at this point
14: Uh, I do object but I also do accept your determination I do feel in the interest of a fair and full hearing it's important that both the appellant and the applicant have the opportunity to present a proper record and it's very hard to do that as I'm sure you understand in 10 to 12 minutes so I would appreciate another minute if you'd allow
0: one more minute that's it
14: thank you thank you chair (laughs) I also hope you ask some questions and I'll be able to come back, but for now, I I, I believe appreciate it.
0: that the planning commissioners will. So. I hope so. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
14: Um, so with respect to CEQA, um, the CEQA exemption that was applied for or that was actually a, a approved by the zoning administrator is known as a small facilities exemption. Now, the small facilities exemption doesn't define what a small facility is, but in 2022, there was a case that I discussed also uh, in, my, in my letter known as uh, St. Ignatius Neighborhood Association in the County of San Francisco. And there they determined that the way you should determine whether something is small is by comparing it to other facilities in that area. So, for instance, a 90-foot-tall light standard was not small, and it was not exempt. Something that emits unusual uh, characteristics, and I I believe Commissioner Kenney, in a sense maybe perhaps that's what you're asking about, the hawks. Impacts to hawks, impacts to noise, impacts to... uh, um, uh, pollutants from the diesel generator, those are not conventional features of a small constructed site in this area. And so I think it's quite plain actually that this exemption does not apply, uh, both because of exceptional, exe- uh, unusual circumstances and also because simply it is not a small structure within the meaning of CEQA. Now if you were to apply CEQA, that would not be a denial of the project that would sim- per se, that would be uh, going through the process in an appropriate manner. Um, and would not implicate federal regulations.
0: Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Now we have Mr. Boxley, right? Hi. Hi. Let me, hold one second, let me ask Mr. McGraw to please come up to the other mic. Okay, now you can go, Mr. Boxley, okay?
15: That's what my first wife said. Okay. um, My blood pressure just went up immensely, just listening to that gentleman with all the things that it, he said. I'm here because we're property owners. I lost a tenant because of the uh, towers going in. They sent uh, emails to you. They would object to the uh, cell tower. So there's a, there's a loss of income right there. I'm in the process of looking for a new tenant for that house at 8081 Windy Sands Circle. So you'd say there's no economical downside. Huh? Two months now I've been in without a tenant. Can't find somebody that's suitable. Had a perfect tenant. Two two people that just were perfect. You, know, you can ask Rick at Spoke. He loved the tenants. I got a message from him today that they dropped off the keys for finally for the house and uh, Rick had already taken their trash cans in that they had put out. We have a great little community there and there's other environmental things such as bees that are affected by the cell tower. Remember when we brought, got cell phones, you couldn't put them up to your head too long, you couldn't carry them in your pocket, you were going to go sterile, and you know, all kinds of things. So things are not being talked about or looked at. There's other things that are, are wrong with this cell tower so close to people that understand Such as the school, I understand they've already beat you down on two of the sites that were going to go in a park next to Lakeview. Um, There's there's just got to be a better site or a smaller one that they can put up, I don't know, um, size or maybe deflect the things away from the uh, neighborhood. I mean, a thousand feet would be on the other side of Slater. So let it go towards Walgreens and and something else instead of having the site go to the way that it's going to ha- affect us in Beach Villas. There, there's um, just a world of difference between one tower and another. Sent a message to you, both my wife and I, about the uh, issues of of uh, the bird. That doesn't seem to get your interest. Um, we have uh our son and and granddaughters coming in to hopefully they will not be objected to uh, uh an area here that would be a cell tower situation but i've lost a tenant two months no pay coming in from that so i mean there's there's a number of different things that just doesn't seem right that's not being considered or looked at i think um Gentlemen, used up extra minutes. I'm going to cut mine short. Thank
0: Thank you, you, Mr. Boxley. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. McGraw.
16: My name is Jonathan McGraw. I live in the neighborhood to the north of the proposed site. I've worked in the electric utility industry for better part of 37 years, so I understand regulations, requirements, (laughs) siting, permitting, all the environmental elements that go into the issues that you and your staff and the community are dealing with. Um, I wasn't planning to speak tonight. I didn't come here to speak. Um, But one of the things that I've learned during my career is starting a project before all the studies are done, spending money at risk (laughs) without knowing the the outcome of the studies. Um, My recommendation would be Uh, take the time to complete those studies before the Planning Commission approves moving forward with this. And in the meantime, while you have that time, some of these exceptions that you're being asked to approve, like the height of the tower, 60 feet, versus your uh, requirement of no more than 40 plus 10, have the applicant do an assessment to look at what is the change in the coverage if the tower is lower. And then the other piece I would, Ask you to consider is or your staff to consider is of course no one wants it in their backyard I get it I I've lived that and breathed that for a long long time so my recommendation would be at least take the time to understand for each of those different sites how many homes how many people will be impacted by it so at least you can feel you've done your due diligence around minimizing the impact to everyone in the community. So, that's what I wanted to say. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Uh, I appreciate your staff and the difficult work that they have, and of course, you know, the, the the sensitive nature of what you do and how you do it, and it is not an easy job. So, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking into account our community, and thanks for all you do. Appreciate it, complete.
0: Thank you, Mr. McGough. We have no more speakers. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Quake. Um Okay. So let's see. Um, I'm going to close the public hearing. And at this time, it's time for the commissioners to deliberate. So Commissioner Twining.
6: Thank you. I had a, a list of questions that uh, I, I have, but I'm gonna just bypass those because I'm sure my colleagues up here are going to ask them. I'm just gonna make a statement. And uh, it, it basically, it's, I'm having a really tough time convincing myself that this CUP should be approved. Uh, most cases that come before this commission have two distinct, often convincing sides to their respective positions. This particular project has virtually zero support from the surrounding neighborhoods. I personally received over 30 emails and letters in direct opposition uh, to this project. I've received exactly zero communications in support of this project. Every one of us sitting up here this evening are volunteers appointed by uh, our duly elected council members, or in other words, elected citizens of, of Huntington Beach including all of you sitting out there tonight, those who spoke so passionately. In reading the applicant's documents supporting the development, and it was a very well put together document, I can't help but take notice of why we can't reject this CUP. I couldn't disagree more with these characterizations. One size doesn't fit all in in communities and neighborhoods. Government doesn't always know what's best for our communities and neighborhoods. I have three things I've taken away from my studies of this, of this CUP application and the citizens' concerns with the project going forward. One, there's a, really, there's a very real fact that the marketability of the surrounding neighborhoods is, is an absolute certainty. Uh, that there is a real potential for significant decreases in property values estimated by several experts to fall in the range of somewhere between two and 30%. And three, the aesthetics of this poll are not suited for this neighborhood. For all these reasons, I will not be supporting the, the CUP. That's it.
0: Thank you, Mr. Twining. Uh, Commissioner Rodriguez.
7: Yeah, I have a question for Mr. Silverman, please. So there was uh, some discussions about the, the report that wasn't finished. Um, I believe that's the NEPA that's report. That's right. Uh, how much time do you need to finish that report? As so
12: just to be clear, the NEPA report is part of the federal guidelines, uh, and they are always completed prior to construction. Um, typically what we would suggest is that they be on a condition of approval, specifically that prior to the issuance of any building permits, that we would have that study complete and that it would be sufficient under the federal guidelines. Thus, if we were to somehow fail those that evaluation, then we would not be issued, and at is more than comfortable with that because they don't wanna endanger any species. Uh, but typically, those studies are not done prior to commission uh, to zoning uh, in these projects that I've worked on before. They are started, uh, but the priority is to have them evaluated through the federal government once uh, we are a little bit closer to construction, uh, and that's one of the m- main goals of the next few weeks and months.
7: So you said, uh, give me a date, uh, not uh, a date, maybe time uh, frame, two, uh, three. I months. don't know. I
12: mean, sure, yeah, two or three months. But concerning the the planning, uh, there is a federally mandated you know shot clock that is to be considered. Uh, we submitted this application on uh, February 22nd, which would mean roughly, based on our calculations, that shot clock would be up as of. Uh, July 24th, I believe, given with the weekends and non-business days. Uh, obviously, HCT would be more than happy to enter into a tolling agreement, specifically uh, that the city would have a determination by a certain date and time that could go past that period. Um, specifically, if the city was to require that uh, environmental analysis under NEPA is be completed, then you know we would try to work with that. Uh, we're not trying to hide anything. It's done for literally every
7: single project. Great. And then, um, is that project paid for by you, the applicant, or yes, by the city?
12: No, it's it's from it's part of basic compliance with these projects for the federal guidelines. So even if they had not come up at all in these proceedings, they would still be accomplished on AT&T's dime. Yes.
7: Okay. And then one more question. Um, I know there's concerns from some of the residents regarding uh, the generator, diesel generator. Uh, is there any alternative methods, sustainable methods that um, cell towers in your experience have used, such as batteries um, uh, solar solar panels? Um? Um,
12: so you know in my experience, uh, solar panels are a possibility but not without taking significantly more land uh, specifically would be impacting the use of the church uh, and typically they're not sufficient for maintaining. Uh, especially with the kinds of shading that we're going to be getting in that area because of the significantly tall trees that line the property. Um, to be clear, the generator will not be running most of the time. Uh, it only runs every 46 weeks for a period of about 30 minutes to be tested to make sure it is still operation. And it's only in operation um, for any extended periods during emergency loss of power and to be shut off the minute the power is restored. Um, specifically about noise complaints and, and not noise complaint, but the noise ordinance. Uh, we also always suggest that, you know, as a part of a condition of approval, that we would show that if through a noise study that we meet the city's zoning noise, or noise ordinance prior to the issuance of any building permits.
7: Okay. No questions. Thank you so much. I'll just stay here to be available. No further questions here.
0: Uh, Commissioner Adam. Um, let's let, um, let, you know what, can you hold off? I will let you come up at a later point, okay? I, I will ask a question so you can come up, <laughs> okay? But I, I don't want interf- to influence the flow here. So thank you. Commissioner Adam.
4: Thank you. So Mr. Silverman, I noticed that on the three renderings, how, how were those uh, view shots selected? Were they selected based on your guys' experience, was it based on the community input? Uh, no, they were
12: selected prior to the first hearing. Um, we by, typically- By you know, who? By, by you guys? I'm just curious. Who, specifically uh, by the contractor who handles the renderings. Okay. Um, but we always ask that those contractors prioritize the streets that are nearby okay. um, because it really would not impact beach. We did not include beach. Um, so we focused on Slater and the two residential streets
4: above. Okay, and so to the north, when they're taken from just um, I guess just standing right, just just traditional standing. Yes. So, it'd be, I mean, I think there might be some goodwill to potentially offer up some more. Some more. I don't. I didn't get a whole lot of. Usually renderings give you a sense of confidence. I, I, my company does renderings. Those. I feel like there could be some improvement on the different perspectives. I think some dimensions would be helpful. Um, I mean, I know they're to scale, but it, it's a photo and then it's embedded with a PDF. And a, so, I, I, I guess I would, I would enhance the technical aspects of those and do some more so. of them. What's that? Also. You could use a drone, you could do... There's, there's a number of techniques that you can use to... No,
12: specifically from what angles would the commissioner... Oh, I
4: don't know, maybe ask the community. I mean, that sounds like... The you community have... is against the project. I know, but at least... The you... ones that are speaking
12: here today. But I mean, you may want to... I'm just... I would like to point out also that it is not a significant portion of the community. Okay. 500 feet from the project, every single business and residential structure was identified. The tiny percentage is here today.
4: Okay. I'm just... I'm just making... <laughs> I'm just asking, maybe, 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 maybe the folks in the audience could could, at, could advise where they would like a couple more. I mean, there's some...
12: we'd be fine with
4: providing any more
12: photo simulations okay. uh, from any suggested angles. Um, I don't know if they I... use drones, but I mean, we could ask.
4: Okay, all right, that's all. I had. And I had a question for c- city staff on the: Do or is the exemption sequel exemption? Is that publicly noticed? Or is that in, held internally? Is there a requirement?
1: It, we always include the CEQA determination in our noticing. Okay. Um, so it has. It was a part of the, the general noticing for, for tonight's hearing.
4: OK. Was there any comments on this exemption itself or no?
5: Uh,
4: I believe the appellant's
9: letter addressed it. But that's, the. I believe, the only known comment directly on CEQA. OK. Thank you. Can I also make a comment on the
0: picture? Uh, n- no. I'm sorry. No. That's okay. Um, at this point, uh, you're done, Commissioner Adams? Okay. Commissioner Kennedy.
5: Thank you. Hello, Mr. Silverman. Hi. I've got a couple observations, a couple questions. So my first question is, is there a difference between a 4G LTE tower and a 5G tower?
12: Well, this project actually is rated for specifically for 5G as well as 4G. So, yes, there is, but specifically not in the dimensions of the tower, not typically. It would be in the difference of what antennas are attached to the tower.
5: The reason I asked that is in reading your, uh, not necessarily yours, but in reading all the, uh, the documentation, I, I really didn't see any, ret- it looked like you were focusing on the, the approval of a 4G LTE tower, and I figured there was a difference. So, uh, you know, my, my fear would be you get the lesser approved, and then you bring in a lot of different 5G components that will add to you know, the potential RF. I know we can't really consider the uh, the radio frequencies, but um, let me ask you a couple other questions. So you, you, you said you were not able to co-locate. Uh, a gentleman brought up about the macro tower, but let me ask you this. Once you put your flag in the ground, I would imagine the other carriers, if you couldn't co-locate, there must be sparsity with other towers. So wouldn't you think that all of a sudden you will be now the co-locate Uh, location of choice now that we're just adding to additional uh, output because everybody else wants to come to your tower now
12: I can't speak to what other carriers need in the area I don't have any of that data as its proprietary but specifically if it was to be proposed then it would be considered but specifically this project and which is before the city is regarding this 4g tower and I know it was brought up in the appellant's letter that specifically that the voice uh, calls are not considered as part of 4G, but I would like to remind that 3G has been subset at, at the beginning of this year. So all voice communications and Internet and whatnot is actually supported through 4G LTE when well, it's not specifically yeah. through wire, wireless in the in the house.
5: Understood. I, I thought the, the one lady made a pretty good point that you know one of the premise uh, of the tower necessity is the ability to learn at home and things like that. But you know, I feel like however it was done, I think that the current structures did provide that. That's more of an observation. My next question is I was reading the the MPE, the maximum permissible exposure table, and when I saw that table, there's a lot of different three-letter abbreviations. None of them though were the WCF, which is what you guys reference every time you talk about your tower. I'm not even sure what WCF stands for, but in your MPE table, where it was showing outputs, there was no listing of the WCF. So maybe we can walk through the table. But that, uh, that was an observation. Uh, My,
12: just to clarify, yeah. WCF is just referring to the city's uh, description of these t- sites, which is a wireless communications okay. uh, so It's not a technical term for okay. any of the equipment. Well, when
5: I was looking through the legend of the, t- uh, of the, the table for MPE, I thought I would see it in there as, as, you know, synonymous to what we're talking about. So maybe I can go back and look at that table. Uh, Beyond that, um, another thing that kind of comes to mind is, um, so you talk about 20 panels. If, If there was an approval, is that a finite number, or can you come back later and add additional panels?
12: Not without further evaluation from the city.
5: Evaluation or approval from a body? Including approval. Okay, and who would, who would give that approval?
12: Uh, we would have to go through the same process we're going through now.
5: Is that factual?
1: I mean, it would all be contingent on what's being requested, but yes, based on the hypothetical, additional, we would require additional review. We'd look at, we always look at it on a case-by-case basis when they submit.
5: Right, but that's you. Does it come through planning, come through city council?
1: uh city council is really a a, a appeal body in this process Uh, we go through the zoning uh, wireless communication requirements and it could start out at the zoning administrator it could be directly to the planning commission It would really depend on the scope of what they were proposing and how they were proposing to expand
5: okay Uh, another thing in your legend of the signage that would be uh, appended to the fence it looks like you, you're, you're selecting or you've been mandated to use sign 2B, which basically states all, uh, all state warnings that this site may have RF remittance exceeding general population exposure limits. So I'm just wondering why would that sign be placed on the fencing um, based on your documentation if there's no fear of RF?
12: Well, it's typically cited on the fencing or somewhere else within eye level of the specific lease area. If it was merely put on the tree at the level of the antenna, then most people would not be able to see it as the antenna's top out at 55 feet.
5: Right. But it, what about the verbiage exceeding, uh, you know, levels of safety? I mean, do you, I, I just don't see how the radio waves could just be contained to such a small silo that that they're not going to spread out. This- they're
12: not... They're not contained. Uh, The whole purpose is to spread out uh, and so that other people can get better connectivity, not just within the immediate area. Um, But specifically, it's concerning standing directly 23 feet in front of the panel antennas. And the panel antennas, again, would be 55 feet up in the air. Well, top out at 55 feet up in the air. Um, And nothing, I don't believe there are any structures or sleeping aids or whatnot within 23 feet of the antennas.
5: I, I understand that, but I don't think the radio waves know that. Um, hey, so these the are just FTC observations. Documents. I mean, I know we can't consider these types of things, but when, when they're stated in, in your your documentation about the exceeding state laws and, you know, it's there for whatever case may be, I thought it was kind of ironic that even the pre- the preparation certification made the workers sign off basically... Waving off that he understood there's potential hazards, and he signed the the prepare certification i just I just see irony in that, so with that said, um you've answered my questions um, I think there's been a lot of concern raised that that is viable and, and the attorney for the appellate i think um, raised a lot of concern regarding unanswered questions or nonconformity on application protocols and There's just a lot of uncertainty. I just have to speak honestly on that. So with that said. The applicant
12: uh, address that? Certainly. Okay, so just to be clear, uh, the city did find that the application was complete. I understand that the application that the appellant's attorney is discussing is available on the website, but we submitted what was considered sufficient by the city staff if there was anything wrong with the application or it was considered incomplete, which it often is in these sorts of projects, we would have filled it out differently or provided new material uh, prior to this point.
0: Hold on one sec, we have two more commissioners and then I'm gonna jump in at some point here. Um, So Commissioner Rodriguez.
7: Uh, One last question for staff, can I ask it or? Certainly. Uh, In your experience, have you heard or seen any uh, negative complaints from neighbors in existing surrounding cell towers that exist throughout the city? Uh,
9: We did inquire with our code enforcement staff, and to their knowledge, there have not been any uh, recent complaints about the existing operating uh, facilities in the city.
7: Okay, thank you. Uh,
0: Commissioner Twining?
6: I read someplace in all these documents that um, maybe I misread it, but you have the option during construction to extend this tower up to 10 to 20 more feet. So could it go from 60 to 70 or 70 or 60 to 80, or is 60 it, that's it?
12: So that's not accurate. Um, Just to be clear, and I'll clarify here, what the appellant is bringing up in terms of, possible extension is for later approval potentially uh, and is not part of this project. We are not proposing to go above that and as far as I understand it from AT&T there is no current plans and these are forecasted out years in advance to extend this tower. So um, you know basically he's talking about a federal guidelines of 6409 that's a possibility in some of these sites but that is not within at and plan or consideration at this time. And it would not be through the construction process. It would, not be, it would not skip the planning procedures. Even in that case, it would be a separate application um, that would have to be evaluated and approved or denied. It, it's, it would not be, we would not be able to just tack on extra feet before we got the building to evaluate our structure. And we wouldn't try that.
0: Thank you. Um, Commissioner Acosta-Galbitt.
8: Thank you. Um, For staff, um, is there anything that the city could propose in our purview that could diminish the impacts to the community, like with stealth or the height of the project?
9: Uh, As the project is currently proposed, they are meeting with all of the applicable zoning requirements. Um, Anything outside of that would be the purview of the decision makers if they were to deliberate
5: and, and take a vote on that.
0: Okay, thank you. Commissioner Kennedy?
5: One final question, sir. Um, when I read through the site, the 11 sites that were identified, either I misread it or you misstated, the the vacated, what's known as the sign a location on Beach Boulevard, great location, commercial, not really a lot of residential, and then across the street the the empty car lot, I read that you stated they did not reply not that they weren't interested my belief is that they maybe didn't receive your communication
12: no I sent certified mail for both of these myself personally I also called uh, specifically to the landowners and I also tried to find email or property managers on the site but specifically none and I did not say they were not interested I said they did not show interest Okay.
0: okay
5: On the document said they didn't reply. I mean, I guess that could be synonymous with not showing interest. But were you able to reach them? No.
12: I mean, other than that, I sent certified mail to their registered addresses. So.
5: Okay. You you would think because they are very lucrative and as a commercial piece of property would certainly benefit from it that almost anybody, especially that gentleman or whoever owns the uh, the empty lot there on Beach Boulevard, would be all over a conversation
12: so in my experience some of the reasons why someone might not it's just speculation if it is an empty lot and is in the process of being sold or looking for sales then entering it into a long-term lease would complicate that process Uh, additionally there are lots of businesses uh, in which turn down this opportunity all the time because it does not fit with their uh, soon-to-be goals for for example we also considered the Lowe's, which was included in our 11 sites which is on warner And although they would normally be interested in that project because we would be taking a tiny corner of their parking lot, they had their own project going. And for the foreseeable future, they were not capable of considering it, um, according to their Corporate real estate development
5: office. That's understood with a big corporation, but the uh, you know the argument of if I was going to sell my property, I wouldn't enter no long term lease. I mean, what what it what an owner would do is they would capitalize that revenue, and, and that would actually enhance the value to any potential buyer in the future. Because I would imagine if you had a rectangle, you would locate uh, near the you know most likely the back end of the property, which not necessarily would interfere with the development of anything proposed and having a long-term uh, lease with a credit tenant like at and which is mailbox money, would be certainly beneficial to most people in my personal opinion. I owned a piece of commercial property years ago, a mini storage, that came with a cell tower, and we looked at that like it was a boon uh, because that, that check was there every month.
12: In most cases it would be, but I specifically know two examples of other projects in different cities where it fell through because specifically the owner was in the process of either escrow or looking for buyers and was told uh, by their real estate agents that they should not consider it at that time because it would complicate the process. So I'm I'm not saying it automatically does. I'm just saying it could be factored in. Again, uh, as I noted, it was speculation. They never responded to my uh, letters. Okay. Thank you.
0: Commissioner Rodriguez.
7: Yeah, one last question. How do you negotiate the price that you give the Landlord um, or the owner of the property. For example, in your uh, presentation or your documents, you said that some property owners weren't interested. Maybe the price wasn't right. Do you offer them additional funds or, or do you not offer? Or how does that work? Uh,
12: like the negotiation? Yeah, the negotiation. I mean, yes, I oftentimes will offer uh, additional funds specifically depending on you know, whether or not AT&T would approve of the additional funds based on the economics of each project. But in many of these cases, we, it varies. Um, it depends on the land value. It depends on where it is. It's, it's not a uniform thing. Uh, mm-hmm. e- each lease is completely different. Okay. Thank you.
0: Okay, my turn. <laughs> Finally. Okay. Um, I would like to ask um, Mr. Strauss to please come up to the podium now, and you can stay. Mr. Strauss, before I ask you the question, I just want to clarify a couple of things that I had regarding AT and T. Okay, um, regarding the pictures and all that stuff, I personally wish that you would have done two different things for me to visualize this uh, project. Number one, I would have liked to have seen um, a real cell phone tower that was at that height of another property similar that's 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 like accomplish yeah um, because it's a simulation and I don't I don't know about the angles and all that stuff but um, I wish that would have been done so I could see a real photo of what it really looks like instead of a mock-up just to be
12: clear we don't usually do that specifically I I have no problem with doing it we can provide photos of other sites but specifically because it wouldn't involve the property in question it i know can but often but it, 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 it
0: it's it's like you're telling me here's what the mock up would look uh, like but not the real thing i would like to have seen a real thing
12: oh, i understand and we yeah. can provide that no yeah. problem i just mm-hmm. uh, it's, would be typical to, yeah. to use the
0: mock up it's just a recommendation i'm just so saying for me we have no me, problem with that yeah. whatsoever absolutely mm-hmm. um, and then to go on to uh, mr strauss Okay, you're on. Um, <laughs> if you can go ahead and uh, answer the questions on the NEPA.
14: Sorry, Madam Chair, you said answer.
0: The stuff about the CEQA, the NEPA, all Yes, that. thank you.
14: You're welcome. So uh, AT&T is very sophisticated, naturally, and, and ought to be. And um, I included as Exhibit D in my letter of uh, June 12th Uh, copies of communications with Mr. Silverman and with the attorneys for AT&T regarding NEPA. And um, I'll point out that Mr. Silverman stated that, quote, to my knowledge, AT&T's project is categorically exempt under NEPA because it satisfies the FCC rule under 47 CFR 1.1306 and 1.1307. Now that's a lot of uh, numbers there, but what that means is that there was, my understanding, there was not, and we can discuss it here today, there's not an intention to do an environmental assessment. So like the city attorney quite sort of technically pointed out, when, for instance with CEQA, when you do CEQA, an exemption is also doing CEQA. The same is true for NEPA. If you decide NEPA doesn't apply, that is doing NEPA, that is compliance with NEPA. However, um, in an interest of having um, a fair and full conversation, I contacted um, AT&T and AT&T's council to notify them of the issues regarding the Cooper's Hawk and to uh, communicate with them prior to submitting a complaint. Attached to my letter isn't a complaint uh, arguing that something more than what apparently was, was uh, intended and more than uh, this biological assessment is required under the regulations of the FCC, and that is an environmental assessment. If uh, AT&T does not conduct an environmental assessment, and the FCC, in response to the complaints that I filed on behalf of a different resident than Ms. Price, uh, determines an EA is required. That is a violation of the FCC regulations. That is not compliance with NEPA. That is not the appropriate process. Um, now, we may hear today that an EA is being prepared. However, I've not received any communication to that effect, and we've not heard that until now. So that is sort of my quibble regarding whether NEPA compliance has occurred or not. The problem with moving forward without having determined whether the FCC will determine an EA is required is that the facility is designed in a specific way today with certain RF emission parameters, with certain trees in a certain proximity. And perhaps this location will have impacts that would be inimical to that design. So um, it it seems problematic to move forward on an assumption that it will just be cleaned up on the back end. Um, Now, Regarding the question of uh, how tall this this tower can, can can go, and I heard a question from uh, Commissioner Kennedy I, I don't agree with the notion that simply will all go through the permitting process um, it, and that basically sort of we can sort this out when it arrives. I do concur that um, AT&T could not simply build higher during the, uh, the building process. However, and I'll just read you from federal law because it's sort of what's controlling us today, and that's 47 U.S. Code 145, uh, which was referenced um, by Mr. Silverman, and that states, "Quote: A state or local government may not deny and shall approve any eligible facility request for a modification of an existing wireless tower base station that does not substantially change the physical dimensions of such tower or base station." That's to say and I'm not quoting now, may, sorry, not deny and shall approve. That means that if an applicant, AT&T, or Verizon, or T-Mobile, or whoever, shows up and says, we want to um, do something that does not substantially change, and the FCC regulations say substantially change is 20 feet more, more, sorry, more than 20 feet, if they say we want 20 feet, you don't have any control over that. So that can happen at, at any point in the future, and... That's not something that anyone can say whether it will happen or not. I I understand there's a uh, comment from a commissioner that it seems that if there's a significant gap here, well, maybe others want to show up too. I think that's a reasonable concern. But there's no analysis of, for instance, what is that shadow? What is that impact? You know, when this height is 80 feet, my understanding is that that's 80 feet is more than the distance the, between the, that site and the property line. Will there be shat, overshadow, or will there be considerations? At that point in time, you will not have control over that decision. It'll have been made for you. But I think it'd be most prudent, therefore, to consider that now in advance. Um, uh, I also did make the comment in my letter of, of the 12th, uh, Madam Chair, that there should be photographs of components for review. Um, for whatever reason, AT&T did not supplement the letter they submitted on the 8th did not respond to my letter, did not provide additional documentation.
3: I don't think it's quite accurate to see. Um, I apologize. I, I do need to interrupt. Um, this is not an open debate or opening. If you have specific questions for either of them, that's fine. I think this is going beyond the NEPA and CEQA question. So if you do have questions for the appellant about the photographs, that's fine. But I think at this point you need to ask. Yeah.
0: Actually, I, I was rather concerned about the fact that there was... It, you know, as neighbors in the neighborhood um, and having families and the wildlife and all of that, um, I, I understand where you're going, but he was about to answer a question that I was going to ask, okay? And that had to do with the fact that this structure could be modified at, at least that's my understanding. And correct me, Mr. Silverman, if I'm wrong, that it could be modified once it's approved. Like maybe there's 6G, 8G, 10G, or whatever, and the neighbors no longer have any say so over that. That was problematic for me when I was reviewing the materials. So um, anyway, so that that's my comment. And so, uh, yes,
12: just, well, correct. The neighbors still would have a say. How would this, they have a say? This is still a permitting process. Mr. Strauss is stating that it just is. Proposed and then it's granted, but that's not true. Specifically, there are specific guidelines under which uh, an expansion by that, that law would require, and uh, specifically, as long as it was within those requirements, uh, then the federal law would preempt. Okay. But again, that's a hypothetical. This is no, not, I'm... just to be clear, AT&T has no intention, and I have seen no notation about expanding what AT&T's goal here? is to establish this site.
0: I understand. Okay, so at this point, I'm done with my questions, and um, I believe Commissioner Kennedy has a question, and then after that, Commissioner Adam. John. Oh. Ian.
4: Ian. Sorry about that. Mr. Strauss, I have a question on the NEPA. I'm, just, I'm gonna keep it really simple. So assuming the NEPA process is completed, and they find no impact, and, and essentially they clear the project. Would that, would that end your NEPA issue? Would you, would you call that issue done?
14: If the FCC makes a determination, it's the FCC's job to decide whether NEPA is required for their licensees. So yes, but that process, for instance, an app uh, complaint I filed in 2020 is still not resolved at the FCC. And I don't know what's typical, so I don't know how long that will take.
15: Okay. okay
0: all right thank you so i think at this point um we're going to conclude the commissioner's um questions comments and um i'm going to call for the vote at this point do i have a motion
7: wait before we vote i think i'd like to share my sort of understanding and concerns i don't know if the other commissioners would like to do that as well I did. uh you did right away yeah uh, anybody else no if not I, I do okay so I understand the concerns of residents and I'm not really a fan of mr. Silverman's attitude towards the residents I want to say thank you for showing up and being here um, um, with that being said I want to remind my colleagues that being appointed to the Planning Commission we're a quasi judicial board so we're supposed to look at our zoning and our general plan. And if the project that's being in front of us meets that, technically it should be approved, right? So with that being said, this is a very difficult decision for me because I'm gonna move forward with approval. Because it does that, it meets the general plan and the zoning code. If the majority of the commissioners wanna bump it up to city council, that is the decision of the city, of of the existing planning commissioners. But in itself, like we already have towers throughout the city. We have gaps. We know that we have gaps with uh, what was presented to us. And I think that uh, overall, it's just user experience. My concern is also that if we set a precedent for existing denial today, what's gonna happen when it goes in the next neighborhood? Are we gonna deny that one as well? Right, and then what happens if the existing neighborhood doesn't have the financial means to 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 submit a denial of a project or appeal of a project right so those are my concerns that um, that I have. Um, I don't know if any of the other commissioners want to show to share their experience, but based off of that, I'm going to move with approval again I, I'm not a fan of of the way mr. Silverman um, reached uh, said you know that. The community is a little, you know, I know that what little of a community makes a big difference, and I appreciate that you came and you spoke. Um, but with that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move forward with approval. Um, and again, if the majority of the commission wants to bump it up to city council, let city council make that decision, at the end of the day, they have that freedom to do so. So thank you.
0: Okay. Um, so we have a motion, and could you repeat your motion, please?
7: Uh, Mr. Ian has a. Okay.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo the same sentiment, Commissioner Rodriguez. I, I don't really like the tact involved, but our job is to determine is it compliance with zoning, is it compliance with general plan. That's the boundaries that we're being asked to look at. It. Um, there's things we are asked to not consider. Those are not. I don't have control over that. So, I'm in the same boat. I'm not. I'm not happy with this decision, but I will be voting to approve it and if city council and others want to send it up where you you have that ability. That's all I have to say.
0: Thank you. Commissioner Kennedy. Yes.
5: Uh, With that being said, uh, what I would like to do is make a motion to continue this until we get the NEPA results because I believe that is important. And, you know, as the attorney said, when you start the machine, it's very difficult to stop the machine. So, what is the rush? You've got potentially an approved CUP if the NEPA results uh, are non existent uh, negatively. So, uh, I would uh, wanna make a motion to continue this for two reasons. I'd like to see the results of the NEPA study because I think it's super important. And secondly, personally, I do not think that you uh diligently work to contact the two people that have in my opinion a far better location the vacant lot on beach boulevard I, I drove it today and looked at it it's ideal and i think anybody in their right mind that owns that piece of property would be willing to at least discuss and if they tell you no so be it but uh, and then the other property across the street i believe is owned by Harden uh hyundai I, because i have software that can show me who the uh the ownership is and and i don't see why they wouldn't extend a conversation if they tell you no that's fine, but I, I would like to have our applicant come back and say that they were able to contact those property owners with better locations and they gave them a definitive no. I would feel a lot more comfortable at that point voting to approve and that's something that I think can be handled. Um, uh, so I would make a motion to delay the, uh, the vote until we have NEPA findings and conclusive you know, affirmation that you did locate those uh, those two property owners and I would work diligently to help you. I, I think I can help you because I, I believe they are uh, able to be reached.
3: And um, Commissioner Kennedy, I do need to point out that there is an issue that would that would expose the city to liability because under federal law, there is a shot clock um, that we have to make a decision upon these applications within a certain time frame. So if we continue this past 150 days um, from when the application was submitted, that would expose the city to well where are we on the shot clock? Compliant with under federal law.
2: And I think the I think the applicant provided.
0: It was like uh, July twenty second yeah. or something like that. Correct? And you're
2: not, and I'm pretty sure he would not get through the NEPA process in time. So um, without some sort of stipulation or agreement from the applicant, we wouldn't be able to to, to move, move on with the shot clock. The other piece, though, as far as contacting the owners, I mean, that's if there's a motion and a second on that, I think,
5: okay. Then let me withdraw that. I would make a motion that we get a definitive effort to contact the two property owners that, in my opinion, have far better utilization opportunity for AT&T. It's not that I'm against the tower. I think an optimal commercial site with limited residential exposure is a far better site and personally, I believe uh, one of the property owners is local because he has a Huntington Beach address. Maybe we can door knock him or you can because I can assure you whether he says yes or no, he's reachable. So I would like to make a motion that we delay the uh, the final vote until we at least have an affirmation that the two sites on Beach Boulevard have been affirmed as a negative or a, a positive. And I guess we can't wait for the NEPA results. but. It is conclusive that the, if the NEPA results are, uh, show finding that the project ends. Is that is, is that factual?
1: If they don't receive NEPA clearance, uh, they won't get their FCC license, and therefore we wouldn't issue a building permit.
5: Okay. So obviously, without the shot clock, there has to be some level of uh, urgency to get those findings for AT&T's sake. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how to formally make the motion. But regarding... Uh, the um, the item 23-435, I would make a motion to delay the vote until we have an affirmation that the two uh, property owners in Huntington Beach, with my opinion of superior locations, have been identified, personally uh, attended to for a yes or no uh, answer.
0: Okay, um, at this point, uh, we, um, Commissioner Costa-Galvin. we put Galvin? a
4: time frame on that?
8: Yeah, um I was gonna say I have a concern. I'm worried it might not get agendized and back here in time since that's a little over a month. Um would that be a concern with staff?
5: You can add a time frame. I mean there certainly would
1: be logistical constraints we have noticing well it would be continued to a date. I was just thinking. About it. We, we, we would most likely need to renotice, so we would need everything resolved at least ten days in advance of the hearing, uh, or more importantly, the shot clock date. Um, there could be other challenges, but there, there's a limited window. I would say, probably within the next two weeks, it would have to be resolved and in the information provided to the city so we could prepare for a hearing and comply with all the noticing requirements
2: to come back before the shot clock expired. And, and, I, and if I could just add, I think we're going to. Another component would be if. The applicant is unable to reach those property owners. They're, for whatever reason, they're. I mean, he tried once. If they're gone, you know, if they're out of the state, if whatever reason, two weeks goes by and he can't reach them, then what happens?
0: Okay, um, Commissioner Twining.
6: Yes, thank you. Um, I. I, I respect what uh, uh, commissioners uh, uh, rodriguez and uh, and uh, commissioner Adam has said um, but there it is a legitimate reason uh you know I read all this i you know the my first read through of everything here I, I I said to myself well what's it coming before us for because there's nothing we can do look at all the look at all the federal laws and as I read it More and more and more, I said. Well, there is there is three things that that I that I consider uh, 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 legitimate reasons to to uphold the um, the uh, uh, the the, the, you know the rejection or the uh, uh, you know basically reject the project. And you know, I'll repeat them. I mean, and I think these are legitimate reasons. Uh, Well, I'll change it. The neighborhood doesn't want it. <laughs> Basically, the neighborhood doesn't want it. These, I, I, were, I like, I like connectivity. I'm on the internet all the time, but it's working now. Uh, nobody, I, not to my knowledge, nobody's complained. I said I got th- over 30 letters in, you know, against the 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 project. I got zero that were supporting the project. I mean in my mind and i and i totally understand what you what you said oscar it, 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 yeah i just you know i know that, that uh, you know our hands are tied here a little bit but uh, i am I'm, I'm concerned about kicking the ball you know kicking the can down the road here and coming back and having this you know okay let's say nepa comes out great and the two owners on you know the two property owners on beach say no no i don't i don't want to do it we're going to be back here arguing this thing again in a month so, my my objection to the to the uh, the project stands. So, thank you.
0: Okay. So, um, at this point, we have one, two motions on the floor, and I believe, uh, Mr. or Commissioner Adams seconded. it. Is that what is that what you did, Mr. Adams?
4: We we haven't made any motions yet.
0: He did. No, I didn't. Oh, you did okay. No. All right, Just so is there a motion?
7: So I would like to, i would like to make a motion as I, as agendized, but I know there was a, another motion that um, I think Kennedy wanted to um, say. It's two different motions. Okay, well, I'll move forward with my motion. I'd like to make a motion to approve agenda item 23-435, appeal of the zoning administrator's approval of conditional use permit number 23-006, Huntington Beach Community Church Wireless C- Communication Facility.
0: Is there a second? I'll second. I have a substitute motion. I would like to make a motion to not approve staff's recommendation due to the aesthetics, um, the visual disturbance, and um, do I have a second?
7: Point of order. Do we have to make a vote on the first motion first? No, I'm, and then-
0: I'm- no.
7: Yeah. May I, legal?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, we can vote on the substitute motion first and then um, if the so substitute motion to fails to pass, we would go back, yeah.
0: Okay, now I have to do the. Uh,
3: um, um, can we confirm if there's a second on the substitute motion? I
6: second that.
0: Okay, so Commissioner Twining second my su- substitute motion and um, I will call for the vote.
7: Okay,
0: (laughs) okay, thank you. Okay, so we're voting on the substitute motion at this point, To to deny, yes.
11: Okay, we have three ayes and three nays. Commissioners Costa-Galvon, Commissioner Adam, and Rodriguez voting no. The motion fails.
0: Okay, we go back to the original motion, which is, um, can you restate the motion please? Point of order, Madam Chair. Yes. Right, but that was on my substitute motion. Now it goes back to the original motion.
3: No, excuse me, yeah. um, under city regulations, on appeal from the Zoning Administrator, when there's a tie vote, the decision of the lower body sustained. Right now, we would go to the, um, the original motion, and we can see if that carries or not. But in event of a tie, no, that, that's not correct. Thank you, Mr. Highland.
7: Okay. Would you like me to restate the motion? Uh, I'd like to make a motion to approve agenda item appeal of the zoning administrator approval of conditional use permit number 23-006, Huntington Beach Community Church Wireless Communication Facility.
0: And the second is? It's done. Okay. We have to wait till things get typed in, right? Okay, there we go. Okay, I'll call for the vote. We have three ayes
11: and three nays. Um, Chair Pellman, Vice Chair Twining, and Commissioner Kennedy voting nay, and Commissioner Wood is absent.
3: Um, Under city regulations, since we only have uh, six uh, commissioners here, uh, on on an appeal from the zoning administrator, when there's a tie vote, the decision of the lower body, which is the zoning administrator, is sustained.
0: So what happens at this point?
3: Um, at this point, the decision of the zoning minister is sustained and if they want, the um, appellant uh, can appeal it to the city council.
0: Okay, and.
1: Um, Chair well, Pellman, can I just read the appeal yeah. language uh, into the record sure. just to make the public aware? The decision of the Planning Commission is appealable to the City Council within 10 calendar days. An appeal must include reasons for such appeal, any required fee, and shall be filed with the City of Huntington Beach City Clerk's Office within 10 uh, days' appeal period.
0: Thank you. Um, And then the last motion, do I even, the last motion that was made by Commissioner Kennedy? I know, but I have to address it.
3: Um, I believe it already been acted on, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So at this point, um, you guys, everybody knows what has to happen. at this point, if uh, the neighbors, the homeowners wish to appeal it, they may. Otherwise, the zoning um, recommendation is is approved, right? Is that correct? Is that how you would state it? Yes. Okay. All right. So at this point... um, We're going on to the consent calendar. And next we have the minutes on the consent calendar this evening. Are there any edits or comments to the minutes? Okay, so let's continue with the meeting. Are there any edits to the minutes? Hearing no edits to the planning commission meeting minutes of April 25th, 2023, I would like to ask for if there's a motion to approve.
7: I'd like to make a motion to approve uh, agenda item 23-471, Approve planning commission minutes dated April 25th, 2023. Okay, I
0: need a second. Oh, you did. Okay. Um, okay. And I will call for the vote. Do you need a minute,
8: Ms. DeCoy? Okay, you're ready. Okay. All those in favor? Uh, I just want to Please double go. check this up. I need to abstain from this one. Is that right? I was absent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay.
11: we have five ayes. Commissioner Wood is absent. Commissioner Acosta-Galvan is abstaining. Motion carries.
0: Thank you. Um, At this point, we have non-public hearing items. We have none. So uh, next on the agenda are planning items, and I would like to ask staff to please give a report.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to give the commission an indication that we do have two projects tentatively um, scheduled for the next hearing on the 27th. Uh, We're working to confirm the availability of some of their consultants, so it is tentative at this time, but... We do plan to have another meeting so i just wanted to make you aware schedule wise the second meeting of the month we're planning on having and we are working on a number of long-range planning projects um, related to updating some codes and some direction we've received from council on various items and i expect they will be be coming before you guys over this summer so just
6: to make you aware can you tip us off on what's in two weeks
1: it's not on the agenda, so I'd rather not get into the details of, of the project. So. Okay.
6: I've just been getting some emails. So, anyway.
4: So, Matt, on the, on the long-range stuff, is it, L, like, LCP stuff? Is it general plan stuff? Is it internal? We have a
1: broad um, zoning code update. Okay. We are working on uh, a zoning map, general plan map, uh, consistency update project, Um, And then there are a few H items we've received from council that we're working on as well. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Snyder. Thank you. Before we close for the evening, planning commissioners, do you have any comments to provide and we'll start with Commissioner Costa Galvin. Uh,
8: No comments. Okay,
0: Commissioner Rodriguez.
7: No comments, thank you. Um,
0: I have no comments.
6: I just want to say that was our that was our first split vote in six months, and I want to say it was it was a good debate. So thanks for being so respectful. Thanks for being so respectful. That was great. Uh, democracy at work.
0: Commissioner Kennedy.
5: My only thought would be, uh, in fairness to residents, that uh, economically things are tight. Like if somebody goes to the uh, the expense and time to file an appeal here. Uh, and it, it now gets kicked up upstream to have them refeed is absurd. I get waiving the fees is not prudent. You know, I've, I've heard people say, hey, can we waive the initial fee? But when somebody takes the time to, to put their hard-earned dollars to work, hire that attorney, spend that $12,000, they should be okay. entitled to just go ahead. All the next appeal is going to be is a voice at the podium and let the city council. So to put the burden of economic strain on these people, you saw them, they're done, they gave up, okay? So they don't get the benefit of the city council's deliberation. It could have went the other way, it might not have, but the fact is, it was restrained economically. I think that's completely out of line.
0: Commissioner Adam.
5: I don't have any more comments.
0: Thank you. I do have, I just thought of something. I wanted to thank staff for uh, the preparation and everything for tonight's meeting. And I also wanted to thank um, the people who put the Citizens Academy together. That was awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it, so thank you. Let them know. And I that want to thank Connor.
6: <laughs> good first meeting. You were doing so well that. Uh, uh, Mike Vigliotti left because he saw how great you were doing, and uh, c- congratulations, and I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much. I look forward to working with all of you as well.
3: Yeah,
0: Thank you. you jumped right in there. <laughs> Thank you That's so much. That's right away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and at this point, my job is to, um, to say this is the last item on the agenda, and we are hereby adjourned, and I'm going to gavel it to the next planning commission meeting on Tuesday, May 9th, 2023.
1: Sorry, just to be clear, I was a typo, and that's my fault. Uh, June 27th, 2023. Tuesday, June 27th. Yeah. Carry over for my last. I didn't, sc- I
0: didn't catch that, sorry. Oh, June sorry about 27th. that. That's okay. June 27th, on, corrected. <laughs>